On behalf of the elders, I want to remind you this morning, the word of God is completely and fully sufficient for every matter of your life. The word of God has all authority to command even the way you think and the way you walk in your Christian life. So let's listen to it today. Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and were yielding a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said to them, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the hearts of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear. And they have closed their eyes, lest they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You may be seated. Well, with, with God's help, we're turning to a, a very familiar teaching from Jesus. Everybody here ever hear the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils? Familiar to us, isn't it? Many of us. And, and, and we, we dare not lean too heavily upon our familiarity. Uh, the, the parable itself warns us about this very thing. We're cautioned here to listen carefully that we might understand and respond rightly to the Word of God. This, this parable, as many of you know, depicts uh, various um, uh, different people um, hearing the same gospel message, the same mysteries of the kingdom of God, uh, but only one kind of hearer 
receives and responds rightly to the message. And so this morning, as, as, as every Lord's Day, we, we want to take great care how we listen. You might just ask yourself, you know, will I receive God's word today uh, with the hearing of faith? What we've just had read to us is, is really quite striking, and I want to invite you just to have a mental picture of what, what you heard. Great crowds followed Jesus as he ministered throughout Galilee. They heard uh, Jesus teach as only God can teach. They, they saw Jesus uh, demonstrate power that only God has. And, and so, uh, as ever, uh, says Matthew, they are thronging to Jesus and, and perhaps uh, crowding around him, uh, jostling for position um, as they gather along uh, the lake shore, the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and the press of the crowd is so great that Jesus gets uh, on board a, a boat uh, moored uh, just off the, the shoreline there. And it's from this floating podium uh, that Jesus uh, begins to speak to this huge crowd. And Jesus begins to speak in a way that he uh, had not been speaking before. We've not seen this before in Matthew's gospel. Verse 13, 3 says, or chapter 13, verse 3 says, he spoke many things to them in parables. Not just this one we heard read to us, but uh, Matthew tells us Jesus taught in seven uh, consecutive parables, all of them having to do with the kingdom of heaven. Incredibly, Jesus will speak in parables uh, to crowds anyway, um, from here on out all the way to uh, the time of his crucifixion. If you, if you read this entire chapter, uh, about the middle of the chapter, verse um, 33, all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he was not speaking to them without a parable, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying... I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. So these are very important parables. What's a parable? Well, well it's a story, isn't it? Um, the word parable literally means to throw alongside. There are um, vital truths that are illustrated by these parables that are just sort of taken from everyday life. And you, and you wonder to yourself, well, why would Jesus, having the, the captive audience that he has here, uh, the, 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 the size of the, the crowd that is before him, listening, you know, hanging on every word really, why would he convey such vital truths about the kingdom of God um, with these stories? I mean, why, why not be more direct? Um, Jesus' disciples wanted to know the same thing, didn't they? Look at verse 10. Why do you speak to them in parables? Well, half of the answer is really obvious to us. We understand that, that, that stories uh, sometimes make uh, spiritual truth more uh, accessible, more memorable. Uh, we know all about the use of, of, of illustrations, that sort of thing. But parables also have the purpose of hiding or obscuring vital truth 
as a judgment against those who are determined not to listen. Those whose hearts are hardened toward God simply hear a little story and, and, and they miss the mysteries of the kingdom. They miss the gospel. We could put it this way. Parables reveal truth to attentive hearers. I wonder if you're an attentive hearer this morning. And parables conceal truth from disinterested hearers. Those are the people whose minds are already gone. They're already someplace else. They're physically here, uh, but not really with us. God, by His grace, gives spiritual truth to those whose hearts are open to Him. But, but listen, those whose hearts are closed, those who have repeatedly ignored or rejected or, or, or just superficially embraced the truth of God, uh, for them, uh, God's truth um, is ultimately withheld. I beg you to hear this. If you are someone... Uh, who is, is rejecting what God has made very clear to you already in His Word, um, the parables for you may well be a thing that hides truth that you desperately need, yet will not receive. So here is Jesus speaking to a vast multitude, and, and Matthew tells us that these seven parables will reveal truth to some and yet conceal truth uh, from others as an act of judgment. And this is, this is precisely how God dealt with Israel in the days of the prophet Isaiah. I don't know, how, how many of you read the Isaiah 6 stuff, as was suggested? Um, uh, Isaiah was sent to warn unbelieving Israel uh, to repent and turn to God. And, and, uh, and Isaiah says to the Lord, well, why, why do you want me to say, and what do you want me to say, and all of this sort of thing. And God says to Isaiah, I want you to preach to them so that they won't hear you. I want you to preach to them so that they won't respond. And, and, and the first time you read that, you're thinking, well, what, what is going on here? What kind of commission is that? Well, what was going on in ancient Israel in, in Isaiah's day? Well, the, the people were still going to church. It's just that they really preferred their idols. And, and the people were, were still showing up to hear preaching and, and go to all of the activities and stuff. Uh, but um, the preaching simply hardened their hearts further against God. And now these same words Isaiah used against unbelieving Israel in his day, Jesus now uses against unbelieving Israel in his day. National Israel is about to be judged. And so Jesus says in verse 14, you will keep on hearing but will not understand. You will keep on seeing but will not perceive. So if, if you learn anything from uh, th this introduction to, to, to the parable of the sower, please, please learn this. Be careful how you hear the Word of God. This isn't about the other person, not this one. This is to do with you. How's your hearing? Or as Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear.
well, that is all introductory, and it doesn't count against my time. Let, let's just pick up with verse 18. This is, this is the only parable that Jesus um, explains, and you'll notice that he explains it to his disciples. Verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The parallel account of this in Luke's gospel makes clear that Christ himself is the sower, God is the sower, and by extension, his disciples then and and any of his disciples still today. Jesus has been going around Galilee from one city to another, and he's been preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. How many of you know, how many of you remember gospel is good news? It's good news. And what's the good news? Repent, says Jesus, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn from your sins. Turn from your self-directed life. uh, Turn to Jesus. He's heaven's king. He has been born into humanity, and he's come to save you from God's wrath for your sin. And he's come to save you out of your sins. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Stop trying to earn your way to God's favor with your heartless religion, uh, with your um, legalistic rule keeping, all of that sort of thing, and rest in the one who came to perfectly fulfill God's law for his people and then shed his own blood to atone for the sins of his people. And and, and as Christ spreads the message of the kingdom, there are four kinds of hearers represented in these four soils that Jesus describes in this parable. Everybody in this room is represented in this parable. No exceptions. The first one we meet is the hard-hearted hearer. The hard-hearted hearer. Look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. I mean, you can just picture this. People and animals have walked all over the, the path that, that runs through the fields or along the sides of the fields, and the, the sun has, has hardened the soil to, to the point that uh, the, the, the seed just bounces a couple of times when it hits it, 
and, and, and gains no entrance into the soil at all, and it just sits there until the birds come, and they come quickly. It just sits there until the birds come and snatch it up. And, and so the gospel seed does not even penetrate the heart of the hard-hearted. She feels no connection between her normal life and the Word of God. It's in one ear, out the other. He doesn't see how God's truth relates to him, connects to him at all. And their lives are so hardened by indifference to sin and, and preoccupation with self and, and ignoring God. They, they perceive no purpose even in taking in the Word of God. We meet a fellow in our Old Testament, King Rehoboam of Israel, of Judah, who, who was just like this. Second uh, Chronicles 12 says this, He did evil because he did not set his heart to seek Yahweh. Hard-hearted. And I pray this is not the case with you this morning, friend. I pray, uh, but there may well be some here today who, 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 who are just like uh, King Rehoboam, hard-hearted. And you, you hear God's word again and again, uh, but, but it never changes your heart. It, it, it's not that you're hostile to it. it. It's not that you mind even showing up at a church, listening to a a Christian podcast or, or singing a hymn, something like that. Uh, but at the end of it all, you're, you're not affected by God's Word in any way. You are a consumer of spiritual content that does not affect your life in any way. This is the hard-hearted hearer. The gospel seed is sown God's word hits your hard heart and immediately the enemy of souls comes and snatches that away. And how many of you know he's good at that? He knows when the heart is being um, um, pierced, uh, you know, starting to become pierced by the truth of God and knows how to tempt the mind away, wander away to uh, other directions and, and settle on different things. Things that seem so much more important than what you're hearing from the Word of God. Is that you? Sitting there thinking to yourself, when, when's this thing going to get over? And if that's you, be warned. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond healing. I mean, at some point, the heart is just so hardened, the conscience so seared, the Scripture says, uh, that, that it simply cannot receive the seed. And, and still today, friends, we, we need to heed and hear the, this warning of ultimate judgment that is awaiting uh, the, the hard-hearted hearers of God's Word. Um, at this person's core, she is an unsaved person. At the very center of his being, he has no real interest in even being a saved person. Just hanging out with the Jesus people. 
You're still listening. Next we meet the shallow hearer, verse 20. And the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. The gospel comes to some people and they, and they respond initially with tremendous enthusiasm. There, there, there's great joy. There's a great emotional response. The, 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 uh, the feelings are stirred. He's thrilled. She's exuberant. There may, there may be even be a, a tearful response, a, a passionate, expressive reaction. But once that superficial, emotional thrill subsides. They're back to the way they were, the life they lived before they raised their hand at church, the, the way they were before they walked down that aisle or filled out that card. That's why it matters that we be attentive to the fact when we preach the gospel that you, you see nowhere in Scripture people walking down aisles and raising their hand and filling out little cards. Salvation is of the Lord. And I'm not saying those things are, are wrong in and of themselves. It's just that uh, th there's a caution here. Does that make sense? A shallow hearer may profess Christ, may even get baptized, may even join this group and help with that other group. But, but his is a superficial response to Christ that never penetrates the heart, his intellect, his will. That's the issue, not the feelings, not the emotions. True faith is a matter of the mind and the will, not just the emotions. Saving faith involves all of a person. How many of you know Jesus came into this world to save us wholly? And make us holy. But he's saving the whole person. Salvation remakes us as God's image bearers. From the inside out. I want you to notice with me that Jesus gives two causes for, for the, the shallow hearer's defection. First of all, shallow faith or false faith fades under pressure from life's hardships. This is not complex. Great difficulties come. A job is lost. A, a loved one dies. Uh, a, a dream is not realized. A particular blessing that, uh, that was hoped for from God, and, he, and you know, he just, he just didn't come through. And this impulsive, you know, hasty person fades away because they, they never considered the true cost of following Jesus. And how did Jesus describe that cost? Matthew 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many 
and there are many who enter through it. The, the, the shallow hearer then has not truly entered through that narrow gate that's as narrow as the cross of Jesus. Trusting in his sin atoning work on that cross. The exchanged life. His righteousness for my sin that I might have the righteousness of God from him. For the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life and there are few who find it. So the way gets constricted, doesn't it? This gospel way. It allows neither legalism nor license. And life's hardships press in and and opportunities to compromise a profession of faith in Christ are abundant. And so, there is a defection. And, we, and today, people are calling that, um, what are people calling it? Deconstruction. Remember that? Yeah. All right. Actually, wanna forget that. Forget that. that anyway, that, that's the first cause of, of, of defection. What's the second cause? Shallow faith, false faith, fades under persecution because of the gospel. The world comes along and says, you're not one of those Jesus people, are you? I mean, are you one of them? Because they're kind of nutty. And they're taking this religion thing kind of serious. And actual suffering comes and this hasty hearer, this shallow hearer, um, will not pay the cost of allegiance to Christ. They just got all excited about Jesus for a while. How many of you know Christ did not come to build a fan club? And friends, this is, this is an epidemic in our culture. Here, here we sit, people who could take out of their pockets or their wallets coins or bills that say something about trusting in God. And yet, are we not a nation of shallow hearers? What have we been seeing in our day as it becomes more and more apparent that to be a follower of Jesus, to take a stand for the truth of God, to swim against the antichrist current in our world, um, well, we're seeing more and more professing Christians fall away. Don't be surprised by that. This is not a new thing. It, it happened in Jesus' day. He looks out at this crowd as he sits on this boat, thousands of people perhaps, and to them they are as a, as a field ready for planting. And the gospel is being sown. And in real time, these responses are happening. Just as they are today. Well, so far, we are yet to meet in this parable a hearer whose life bears fruit for the kingdom of God. Um, we, we've not met a Christian yet, in other words. Next, we meet the, 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 the preoccupied listener. I wonder, are there any of those here today? Oh, you're busy, aren't you? We'll, we'll, we'll call him the distracted hearer. 
The worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 22. He's got so much going on in his life already. He's so busy serving the master of his job, building his career, his portfolio, his golf game. And so preoccupied with being the king of his castle, the, the, the master of his 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 little army at home or at work. And the distracted hearer may well be pursuing good things, even churchy things. Distracted hearing may well be a Christianized life, a churchified life. But such hearers have too many masters. They've simply added Jesus to the mix. And in God's economy, it's no different from what's happening in, in, in India right now where the, the Hindu people you know, will gladly hear from you about Jesus and they'll just stick him on the shelf of all of their other uh, made-up gods and, and, and they all get along just fine until you tell them that is not true and it's an offense to the living God. The distracted hearer maintains a profession of faith, but there's just no real fruit for the kingdom in this person's life. They're they're not Christians. They're just playing at it. Again, two things, two, two weeds, two thorns choke out the spiritual life of, of the distracted hearer. The worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth, says Jesus, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The, the, the worry, the cares of the world simply refers to all of the stuff that's involved in being alive on planet earth. Those things that people pursue can become out of balance to the point that they're, they're idols. The, the life is so cluttered with worldly concerns and this is actually the reverse of what we looked at a couple of weeks ago uh, in Jesus' um, little story about the empty house. Remember that? You remember that? The emptied house leaves a vacuum for evil to creep in. So that superior love for Christ, the, the, the means of grace to grow in the Lord and be productive, never moved into the house. And so the person's soul is choked off by the cares of the world. You're still listening. The deceitfulness of wealth, I suppose, is um, self-evident. Paul says to Timothy, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evils and some by aspiring to it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Note that you know, Paul does not tell Timothy that money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money uh, the, the idolatry 
that is focused on material things is a root of all sorts of evil. In, in his second letter to Timothy, right, right, right near the end of his life, the apostle um, remembers um, with, with a discouragement that is palpable um, uh, a guy by the name of Demas, and he, and he says this to Timothy, be diligent to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present age, has deserted me. There's just so much else going on that crowds out allegiance to Christ. The person with the distracted heart, then she, she never weeds the, the garden of, of her own soul. She, she wants everything the world has plus Jesus. And he, he pursues all of the same things his unsaved friends are pursuing, but, but he's, got, he's got Jesus on the weekend sometimes too. And it seems like the perfect scenario. I mean, it's a win-win. No, it, it's, it's a lose-lose. How many of you know Jesus will not settle for joint custody of your soul? Eventually, those weeds growing right alongside the, 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 the gospel seed eventually surpass and overcome and choke out the truth of God. Listen, there are only four soil types mentioned in this parable, and so far we have yet to meet one that bears fruit. So the, these first Three soil types, then, uh, do not represent saved people. Uh, please don't read this parable and, and, and think, well, I guess all Christians are different. And, and, and well, they, they are different. We'll get to that. You see that in verse 23. But what we're seeing so far in the parable is that the, the, these soil types, these heart conditions are not indicative of saving faith in Christ. And, and, and if you want to know, how, how can we say that? How can we say that the distracted hearer, the shallow hearer, the hard-hearted hearer, maybe we get that one, uh, remain outside the kingdom? Here, here's why. The Bible never describes a permanently fruitless, unchanged Christian life. You still with me? Praise God. Praise God. This parable does not end with more and more examples of those who, who miss the kingdom. Yes, it is true that for some, these parables are a judgment against those who time and time again have ignored the truth of God and the conscience is seared and so they got a little farming story and they're just wondering why is Jesus so obsessed with farming? Or you leave and you think, you know, that's really true. Come spring when we plant, let, let's, let's be sure we don't have weeds in the garden, shall we? I mean, will that be your turn this year or mine? Boy, I just thought 
this would be more life-changing. You, you can just hear the conversations there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. We, we walked all this distance. Um, I, I thought he was going to tell us how to get rid of the Romans. I, I, I thought we were just going to have uh, bread all the time provided for us. I, I brought a basket. I thought he was just going to bless us no matter how hellish our lives look. We came all this way, and there he sits in this boat telling stories about farming. In church, we need to know these responses because we will see them as we sow gospel seeds in our own families, in our workplace, at our school, in our community. Jesus experienced this when he sowed the seeds of the kingdom, and so will his people today. But again, this, this isn't really about those people. This is to do with you. How, how's your hearing? Praise God, by his grace, the gospel seed often finds fertile soil, doesn't it? Well-prepared hearers, hearts that are prepared by the Spirit of God. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What a, what a grace, what a gift that the hearing of faith is, is given by God. And when the hearing of faith is given by God, spiritual fruit is always born in, in some measure. You're hearing this. So at last we meet the fruitful hearer. Look at verse 23. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now before we notice the difference, notice the similarity. The sower is the same. God himself Jesus himself here in Matthew 13, and by extension, his church. Any of Christ's people sowing gospel seeds still today, and the seed is still the same. The message of the kingdom is still the same. That's why we need to rehearse the gospel all the time and preach it to ourselves that we might preach it rightly to others. Repent and turn to Christ Receive his grace. Follow him. Li live in allegiance to him. He'll, he'll, he'll change you and he'll, and he'll lead you into an eternally purposeful life. And he'll lead you all the way to a new heaven and a new earth one day, our Jesus. But only one type of listener hears with understanding and responds rightly by God's measure because he has or she has the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. The fruitful are those who receive the gospel with the hearing of faith. And I am praying right now that God, by his spirit, is enabling the hearing of faith among us today. 
And I encourage you, church, whenever you hear the gospel proclaimed, as you proclaim God's gospel yourself, pray that he would do a work that only he can do, that he would grant the hearing of faith. They hear with humility before God, desperate for his mercy, hungering for a righteousness they did not have, a righteousness from outside of themselves, and they find this righteousness in Jesus Christ, and they are satisfied. They come to him needy and dependent and trusting. These are the blessed ones of the Beatitudes. Remember the Beatitudes. These are the ones who enter through the narrow gate, the gate as narrow as that bloody cross, and willingly walk the constricted way, the way of following Jesus in glad obedience, the only way that leads to life. This is not my material. This is where we've been in Matthew's gospel. And this kind of soil is produced by God himself, but, but I want you to notice in the text that's not the focus of the parable. That this parable focuses on human response to God's sovereign work in salvation. So don't, don't get tripped up by that. This is, this is to do with you. How's, how's your hearing? What kind of listener are you to the truth of God? Am I a fruitful hearer. The new birth is a gift. We, we, we understand that. But growing in grace is something that, that I'm to be actively and even zealously participating in. I'm not dispassionate, disassociated from that work of God. So when I hear God's word, am, am, am I doing so with the hearing of faith? Listen, only a repentant, believing heart bears fruit for the kingdom of heaven. This is God's economy of sowing and reaping in the kingdom of heaven. The seed of God's word does not bounce off the surface of this heart. Uh, the, the, The word does not momentarily flourish and then shrivel up under adversity. This this heart is not divided by uh, competing desires and strangled, still trying to figure out some sort of joint custody agreement with Jesus. This is the heart that allows God's word to take deep root. And change is underway. The fruitful hearer is not content to be unchanged by the word of God. He he makes room in his heart for the things of God. He he weeds his garden, if you will, of lesser loves. Clean sin out of the the rooms of his heart with with grace that God provides so so that his good things are moved in. And this is a progressive thing, isn't it? This is a time-consuming thing. How much time? Well, God spends our entire lives sanctifying us, doesn't he? Conforming us to the image of our Savior Jesus. But I want you to notice, do you mind being encouraged? 
just, just briefly. Um, I want you to notice with me that fruit is inevitable. Fruit is inevitable. It's not a maybe. It's a for sure. It's just a question of how much fruit. And if you want to be encouraged further, I want you to notice the way Jesus describes the, 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 the crop, the, uh, the, the, what's produced. In Jesus' day, a yield of 10 to 1 would have been outstanding. And people listening to Jesus sitting on that boat, they knew farming. They knew all about that. And so when Jesus spoke to them of 30-fold yields, 60-fold yields, 100-fold yields, um, that was just unheard of. So think about what Jesus is saying to us this morning. An abundant harvest for the kingdom is born from from those who who receive the word with, with the hearing of faith. Any Christians here today? Has God changed your life a little bit? I mean, those of you who can remember yesterday, I can't sometimes, I, that's why I'm saying it. I mean, you remember yesterday, the day before, let's, let's go years, not days. Are you not astounded at what God has done in your life? You, Jesus took you just how you were, the wretched sinner but he didn't leave you that way. You're, you're a different person now. If you're not a different person now, you're not with Jesus. This is what he does. And this is not for someone else to measure in you. This is between you and God. Well, we're, we're going in a direction now, aren't we? What, what is the fruit then? What is it? Well, first of all, there is the fruit of repentance and allegiance to Christ as Savior and Lord. Let me ask you something. Who's your king? Have you repented of your sin and turned your heart to receive this Jesus who gladly receives you just as you are? And upon receiving the gospel of the kingdom, is there not a strong desire to follow him as Lord? And no, you will not do so perfectly. And there will be stops and starts and, 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 and turns here and there. But, but the, but the um, what's the word? Trajectory. Don't try to spell that. You'll hurt yourself. The direction of your life. Man, I want to follow Jesus. There is a participation in his sowing. You become fellow sowers of the gospel. How can I not speak of the one who saved me from hell? How can I not speak of the one who has brought me into his eternal family? How can I not speak of the one whom I love? But there's... There's more. When, when, when the gospel truly takes root, it, it produces a harvest of character, doesn't it? Now, a lot of us are characters, but that's not what, this, that's not what I'm talking about. Listen, listen to uh, Galatians 5. You, you know this one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Growing is underway. Weeding is underway. Yes, it is a, a process, but the process is underway. You're born again. And by God's grace, fruit is being born, the fruit of character for the kingdom. And, and when the gospel truly takes root, it produces a harvest of conduct. Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Listen, how will the community, how will Hayden, how will Coeur d'Alene, how will Spirit Lake know of this Jesus? Well, there's a whole bunch of people who are being changed from the inside out, who don't just speak of Jesus, but actually are the very aroma of his presence in their community. And they're busy doing the works of God that he's prepared for them to do. Church, we are the planting of the Lord, planted in this part of his world to bear the fruit of good works that bring him glory. Well, who's that? The staff? It's got nothing to do with that. The elders? Well, them too, for sure. Every person brought into the kingdom by God's grace is blessed to be used of him this way. And where there is faith, the hearing of faith, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. So how's your hearing? Jesus would not caution people, he who has ears, let him hear, if it were not possible to change where you're at. You, you don't have to stay where you're at if you're in the wrong place. And if the Holy Spirit is doing work that only the Holy Spirit can do, I invite you this morning, beg God to plow the hardened soil of your heart. He is gracious to do so. How do I know? He saved me. Plead with him to give you grace not to be satisfied with a shallow, temporary response to Jesus. If you're someone who feels the tug toward Christ even now, but there's been so much more in your life that you've been busy with, you're preoccupied with it, you've found no room in your life really to follow him, um, you're still working on that joint custody thing, listen, it is not too late for you to make room in your heart for Jesus Christ. And let him rearrange the furniture of those priorities. And Christians, let's not leave here today 
down in the mouth, discouraged because we have a sense that maybe our fruit is kind of slight. Do you ever feel that way sometimes? Man, I do. Our puny efforts in light of God's worth, in light of Christ's infinite worth, only the, only the Christian produces fruit in the first place. Be encouraged. And, and, and not every Christian is, is equally fruitful. I'm going I'm to use a quote, and, and then I'll, I'll stop talking. But th this is a William Arnott, um, Scottish minister, uh, whose little book on the parables is, is a gem. He says this, there, there are diversities in the Spirit's operation, diversities in natural gifts bestowed on men at first, diversities in the amount of energy exerted by believers as fellow workers with God in their own sanctification, and diversities, accordingly, in the fruitfulness which results in the lives of Christians. So again, how's your hearing? You, you don't have to be satisfied with 30. You, you can go to God and say, Lord, uh, th th there's, there's so much more uh, to be done in my life for you, and I desire that. I'm yours. Will you take of me what you require for your glory? Lord, would you give me understanding the way that you did your first disciples? Because sometimes I come to your word and I just, I just don't understand. Would you give me grace to weed my heart of competing loves because my conscience tells me they're there. God, I want a fuller harvest for your glory. He who has ears, let him hear. Let, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our Savior Jesus who has opened the kingdom for us solely by his work. And Lord, I pray that you would grant the hearing of faith among us this morning. And Lord, I pray that if there are those whose hearts are in need of, of much tilling, Lord, would you do that tilling work by your spirit, Lord. For, for those who uh, are, are convinced this morning that their uh, naming of you is, is fleeting and superficial, Lord, would you grab um, hold of that soul, that heart this morning. And Lord, for those who are battling, battling over and over again, whether or not there can be two masters or three or four or five, Lord, would you become the master of hearts this morning? And Lord, we thank you for this encouragement that those who belong to you are fruitful because you make it so. And so let us cooperate, Lord, with this fruit-bearing work you promised to do. Lord, let us be those who, who do what you describe in John's gospel, that we would abide in you and thereby bear much fruit. And we pray this, Jesus.